Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. And welcome all to Big Run Remembers with the only manager that's won the League Cup and the FA Cup with three different clubs and all involving Manchester United. (laughs) (laughs) It's ironic that, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It certainly is. It certainly is. But tonight, Ron, we're going to be talking about the golden team, the magnificent Magyars and your memories of that fantastic team and how they shaped football. So before we indulge into the Hungarians, let's briefly look at how that team come together and one person in particular who was so influential and that was one of your former coaches Jimmy Hogan who was out in Austria when the second world war sorry first world war was declared he was incarcerated he was interned and then he was taken to Hungary to MTK and that's where that journey began yeah apparently you know I I know that uh Jimmy, Jimmy was a when I got to know Jimmy Hogan when I was a young player at the Villa, yeah. and Jimmy Hogan was uh, brought in as coach for the youth team or the third the third team because uh, all clubs then used to have about seven teams, and uh, it he'd been very influential in a the Austrian team that came to Wembley um, in I think it was about 1952 got a two all draw at Wembley from Wembley yeah. right. At a at a star player then was a, an attacking centre half called Ockwork. They called him Ockwork the Clockwork because he was here, there, and everywhere. Um, but of course, then the year later or so, um, the Hungarian side came over um, and absolutely hammered England at Wembley, where England had never been beaten by a team outside the British Isles before. Beat us six three. And an awful lot of credit was given to Jimmy Hogan from their players, including the legendary Puskas, who actually spoke of Jimmy and they called him Uncle Jimmy because of the influence he'd had in helping create one of the best. Certainly, I've never seen a better national side than the Hungarians of 53. Brazilians of 70, maybe the Dutch side in the late 70s, but... The the 53-54 Hungarians were as good as anything they'd ever And with the Brazilians of of 1970, I mean, Brazil was a different country. Of course, it was to to what it is today. And and other teams that we've seen, certainly the the Dutch of of total football and uh, one or two other instrumental sides that that have been very influential on a European or a, a South American or a world scale. But these Hungarians, they were working with the backdrop of communist, Stalinist state football, where in 1950, 
all the football teams, their names were changed and the unions were running them. For instance, Honved, the Kishpest team that Pushkas played for, became Kishpest Honved, MTK changed their name they all changed colors and 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 it was it they were almost used wasn't they as as a propaganda tool by the communists well yeah i think i think the hungarians first sprang into prominence i think it was in the 52 olympics yeah it was yeah absolutely um, and then they, they they came over to play at wembley and to be fair because we didn't know that much about them. We automatically assumed that they go the way of a lot of the <laughs> the so-called foreign super teams did when they came to Wembley. They got battered. Yeah. Um, but this was a, these were a different kettle of fish. I can remember. I mean, I was only a kid then. One of the things that struck me straight at the kickoff. Puskas went up for the kick-up, and while he was just standing around, the ball was at his feet. Flicked it up and caught it in his instep. And we've all gone, what was that? Now, you know, most players can do that because he'd shown us something to do. Yeah. But then, I, didn't, I don't remember too many players doing that. And uh, they just, they absolutely ripped England apart. Puskas was magnificent. And by the way, it was a very, very good England side. Yeah. We had some very good players. I mean, Puskas got a great, a great goal when he, the ball was cut back to him from the right wing and he, he sort of dragged back the ball. And Billy Wright, who was a terrific centre half, um, I think Billy was playing right right half that or midfield as then wing half. I think Billy's quote was, "He sent me he sent me that much of a dummy out to pay to get back in the ground like." And, <laughs> and then he last one past Gil Mary was just with his left foot, and uh, you know then they became the sensation. Then we came to recognise them, and then. England went over and played them again in Budapest at the Nep Stadium, and uh, got beat seven. Um, yes. And they only made they made one change. I think they dropped the right winger Budai and brought to Shandor in. But and then of course they got kicked out of the World Cup. Sorry, when they say they got kicked out, they played in the World Cup, played in the final against Germany, who they'd already beaten convincingly in the qualifying period, uh, and they played Puskas who wasn't fit, um, took a 2 nothing lead, and then somehow the Germany, as they have since had the knack of doing, uh, managed to claw their way back in and beat them. But um, the Hungarians, like the, the Dutch side of the 70s, never, never won the uh, World Cup, and yet were probably the best, well, they were the best team in the world at the time. And only got beat once in, I think it was 32 games, and that was the World Cup final. And that World Cup final in 1954 was in Bern, it was in Switzerland. The Germans still to this day call it the miracle of Bern. And you're right, they, Hungary did beat them 8 3 in, in an earlier game. Um, they Germans, to be fair to them, did play a lot of reserve players in that first game because they knew how good the Hungarians were. Puskas, as you rightly say, he got clattered. Puskas missed the rest of the finals until that final. I didn't realise at half-time the Germans were injected with something. They say it was vitamins and glucose. Puskas reckons it was something else and went on record to saying that the Germans were doped at half-time. And as a result, he wouldn't apologise for it. When Real Madrid played in the 1959 uh, European Cup final in Stuttgart, 
Pushkas was not allowed to play in that game. Do you know what? I didn't realise that. I didn't, didn't realise that. Yeah. But I know, I'll tell you what. He got his own back the year later then, didn't he? <laughs> didn't he just? But that was at Glasgow, wasn't it, when they beat Eintracht yeah. Frankfurt 7-4. Di Stefano scored three and, and Puskas, still to this day, the only player to score four goals in the Champions League or yeah. as it was then, the European Cup final. And yeah. all, all this, I'm just reading, I've just read actually a magnificent book called The, Mag- the Magical Magyars by David Bailey. And let's just... Let's just dwell a little bit on when Homved visited Wolverhampton Wanderers because he does reference a young Ron Atkinson in this book at that game. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what it was. It was a series. Wolves, yeah. were, one, Wolves were one of the, along with Man U, were probably the two best teams in the 50s in England um, for a long period. And they were also the pioneers of, Floodlit football. I mean, that may sound strange to people that take it as commonplace, but Wolves Wolves played a series of floodlit games. They played. I'm trying to think of a sort of. They played Racing Club of Buenos Aires. They played Spartak Moscow. Moscow Spartak. I think it was. Yeah. Uh, but then they were due, Then they were going to play Honved, which basically, with the exception, I think, of Eddie Guti, was the was virtually the Hungarian national team. Yeah that uh, hammered England twice. Um, and I'll tell you how, how big the, the Hungarians took it. They had a great left winger called Zibor, who later went to Barcelona. Two weeks before, they were hungry of playing Scotland, and they left him out to save him for that friendly. They left him out of an international game to save him for the friendly. Um, but my part in that was, <laughs> I was a ground staff boy at the Wolves at the time, and the game was played in December. And it was absolutely bucketing down with rain for days. And the manager, Stan Collis, had all the skids on the pitch before the game with hose pipes watering the pitch. And it, it was it was hammering down while we were doing it. They came out, the Hungarians, who now it's like uh, took on the this role of, well, I remember us, us kids standing by them as they came out. And you're looking at them, they were like gods. They were like from another planet because we'd seen what they'd done at Wembley and so forth. They came out. They're two up in, I would say, probably from memory, about 10 minutes. I think Koshis, who was another great, great forward player, who, who also went to Barcelona later. He got uh, he got a great head, I remember. And they're two up and would have got 10. There is yeah. no question. But then all of a sudden, there weren't too many drag backs coming from Pushka because the ball kept getting stuck in the mud. And Wolves had this... This powerful way of playing, it was route one, but it was long passing because they had great players. Wolves had great players that could play that way. And they had one of the biggest talents I've ever seen in, in um, Peter Broadbent. Peter Broadbent was a magnificent footballer. He could have played in the Hungarian side. He was that good. And then the likes of Billy Wright and Ron Flowers, and Bill Slater, and he just powered them out of the game. 1-3-2. Um, I think Roy Swinburne got a couple. 1-3-2. 60,000 in Molyneux, and the day after, Desmond Hackett, who was a well-known Daily Express writer, wrote headlines, Wolves, Bloodly Champions of the World. And, you know, it's still still my belief that that was the inspiration. Those games gave somebody the thoughts, a French guy, I can't, can't recall the guy's name, the French guy, who, who thought we should make this a competition. And that's how the European Cup started in my book. 
You're absolutely because of those bloodly friendlies. Yeah, you're absolutely right, Ron. Because, and again, I didn't realise that before Wolverhampton Wanderers had played Honved, West Bromwich Albion played them in Belgium, didn't they? I didn't know that. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't know. I didn't. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, Wolves. Wolves got actually. Wolves got annoyed because uh, Vic Buckingham was the manager of West Bromwich yeah. Albion because they'd won the FA Cup. So yeah. they were invited to play Honved in uh, in Brussels. They actually were three one up. Um, Johnny Nichols scored a couple, yeah. and Ronnie Allen, yeah. and then the the Hungarians went into overdrive and beat them five three. Well, Wolves weren't very happy because the Albion had only won the FA Cup. Wolverhampton Wanderers had won the league, so we invited them down. And you're right, the 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 Parisian press then said after the England English were crowing, let's have a competition to see who the best club side. In the world is, and that was the start of the European yeah. Cup. And Madrid went on and, and won the first five trophies, didn't they? Yeah, yes, yeah, 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 yeah. I can remember. The first, I think one of the first ones I ever saw was Dimitri Brandt, and they four won us on, on a very on a nine-inch television. We used to watch those <laughs> matches on. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, it's it's ironic that probably the revolution. When was I think it's fifty-six? 56 yeah, yeah, yeah. 56. And I think that was, you know, the whole team broke up. I mean, Puskas went to Real Madrid. I think Cassius and Zibor, I don't know if anybody else, went to um, Barcelona. Um, and Wolves actually signed a young a young um, Hungarian player. Um, I think his name was Shander Kossius, something like that. Yeah. But he, he'd been captain of the Hungarian youth team, but I, I, he never really made it at much. He never really... Um, I know Birmingham City at one time, there was a lot of talk about them signing the right winger that played in the second game, in the 7-1 game, a guy named Shandor. Yeah. I always remember a lot of talk about Birmingham going to sign him, but they, they never did. Um, but, you know, that the, the great that great team broke up because of, um, because of the revolution in 56. And that was the October of 1956. And while that revolution was going on, they were out on tour because um, they, they they got a game against Atletico uh, Bilbao in, in the Euro. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. A pink cup. And, and they didn't come back. And Bella Gutman, one of the instrumental Hungarian coaches, got hold of... Honved 
and they they organised a tour of Italy, and then they organised a tour of Brazil. So the Hungarians were earning a bit of money, and as a consequence of the, uh, the three players going to Barcelona and Madrid, they all got banned, and and they were given that they had to face the consequence of going back to Hungary to the families or mm. staying out. And what happened with certainly with Pushkush, with Kosic and Sibor, they got their they got the family out. And and it wasn't just a taxi ride to, to the, the the border of Austria. It was an unbelievably horrible journey where the wives yeah. had to walk with babies for miles in the, in the mud to get out. So once they were out, it was shall we go back? And it must have been such a decision for them Hungarians, and that's why a lot of them did go back to Hungary because they'd yeah. still got family inside Hungary and they're frightened of what was what's going to happen to them with the regime. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't remember too many of the others um, going out and playing elsewhere. No, they didn't. They all went, pretty much all well, went back. Yeah. I mean, like people, I think Hidley Guti was, was in the army team anyway, I think. He was in the police team. He was in the uh, MTK team. Hidley Guti yeah. was. Yeah. Yeah, he was in the other team. Um, so, but, uh, oh, <laughs> you know, I know you think back, everything seemed, when you think back, you think, did they ever misplace a pass or anything like that? I mean, they came to Wembley, and I think they scored in about the first minute. Yeah, 45 seconds, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then all of a sudden we thought, who are they? Because England scored three that day. Yeah, they did, yeah. You know, England got three against them, but, um, you know, they, they, you just couldn't, uh, we just couldn't get near them. And they probably, because of how it all finished up, didn't get anything like the credit that they, they probably deserved. I mean, Brazil in 70 were a brilliant flamboyant side to watch, yeah. you know, with, with quite a few worldies in the team, including... Maybe one of the, if not the best player of all time. Um, and the Dutch, I thought the Dutch side of 78, 74, 78 yeah. was brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Um, all right. People might talk about the Spanish Barcelona thing in, in the in the noughties, if you like. But um, for me, no, there was never a better national side than Hungary. And that goal from Puskas still has to go down as one of the greatest goals ever scored, not just at Wembley Stadium, but in the history of football, doesn't it? Well, it, it go memorable yeah. because he did something then. Yeah. He showed a, a he showed a skill, an art, that we hadn't seen much of before. Probably in England, if, if the same situation had arisen, one of our better players would have, you know, tried to hit it in right-footed, but he had the, he had the confidence, mind you, People said it was only because he was one-footed. I said, yeah, we're not for footy. <laughs> you know, he, he, I can still see him just dragging the ball back as Billy went sliding past, opening up his body and then whacking it. Where was I? was somewhere when he walked. Oh, I tell you what, when I was manager of Coventry, yeah. for some reason, Puskas came into our dressing room. Wow. He came in. I don't know what he was doing there. He'd been doing something. He, he came in the dressing room. And the only, I saw him as well in Sevilla. Remember the night in the World Cup in 82 when Battison got smashed by, yeah, um, Schumacher. by Schumacher? Yeah, Well, it was that night, before that game. He walked, into a, he walked into a hotel, and there was a lot of big names in the hotel. And his very presence, I mean, 
because to look at, he, he wasn't the most flattering figure to look at later on in life. But he walked in, and you could sense an aura about him. And uh, as I say, he came into our dressing room once at Coventry, and I still to this day don't know what he was doing in there, but uh, probably thought, having seen us play, he'd have got a game. But, um, <laughs> but no, he, he, had, he had this great presence and a great aura. And when people start talking about the all-time greats, you know, yeah. they start, you know, obviously Pelly, Maradona, the two that are knocking about now, Ronaldo, Messi, people like that. Puskas comes into that category. You know, I mean, he, he's probably the one you think, I a bit. Cruyff and him, yeah, they were, they, you know, they were in, Puskas could be talked about in the same breath as any player that ever played the game. I was watching um, a, because on YouTube, YouTube's great, you can look at little clips and, and Bobby Charlton was, he was with Puskas and uh, it was when Pele scored his thousandth goal and he yeah. turned around at Puskas and said, isn't that great, Pele's just scored his thousandth goal and Puskas turned to Bobby Charlton and said, I scored mine six years ago. <laughs> <laughs> but you're right. I mean, his goal-scoring record just for Hungary alone was 84 goals in 85 games. I mean, hey, the other thing, of course, he must be. I'm trying to think I found whether Messi or Ronaldo may have done it. I doubt it. He might, he might be the only player to get uh, a hat-trick in two Two yeah. European Cup finals as well. Yeah, he did because he scored. Uh, he scored three against Benfica a, a couple of yeah. years after, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure he's the only one that has scored two hat tricks. Because again, yeah. hat trick in any game is <laughs> one hell of a feat. But scored him in a European Cup final is, yeah. is just different. So where where would where do you think history and f- football connoisseurs where where do we place Puskas and Hungary, they have got to be at the very top table, haven't they? Well, like, like I said, I yeah. would say the three best national sides I've ever seen would be, in fact, I'd narrow it down to two, I'd say Brazil of 70. Yeah. And them, and the Hungarians, with the Dutch team just a, just a shade below them. And what we, what we have to bear in mind as well, Ron, is one of the great Hungarians defected in 1949, Laszlo Kubala. Oh, yeah, he went every... Could have been even better. I think he got about three... I think he got played for three different countries as well. He did. Yeah. Yeah, I can can remember him taking a penalty where he bent down as if he was just going to pick the ball up and hit and knocking it in the net early against somebody. Now, I don't know... Did he play for Austria against England? He, I wonder if he... He played for... I know he played against Birmingham in the... What was the old intercities, fairs, yeah. European uh, butchers and the candlestick makers cup. But um, I can remember him doing a thing on a penalty somewhere at the back of my mind where he bent down as if he was going to place the ball. It was already on the spot. And the keeper just relaxed and he just... Flicked it past the keeper. Keeper weren't expecting it because he, he played for Czechoslovakia because he was um, Slovak by by birth. His parents. He then played uh, for Hungary. Yeah, I think played he played for Austria, didn't he? No, he played, for no, played for Czechoslovakia. Yeah. Six games. He played four games for Hungary, and then Kabala was allowed to play for Spain, and he oh, also yeah. played yeah. for Catalonia as well, as yeah. well as yeah. the rest of the world. So, 
Because I used to have a laugh sometimes in training. I'm going to say, do a Kubala sometimes. And they'd all look at me, some of the players, it's Kubala. <laughs> Mike Summerby, if I see Mike Summerby to this day, he always goes, oh, here comes Kubala. Because <laughs> I was used to be on about him. And again, for those that, that don't know who Kabbalah was, he was the guy that played for Barcelona, transformed Barcelona, and it was pretty much Kabbalah's influence that they moved out of their ground to the Camp Nou. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> he was, he was that, that big a name. And again, he was, he was banned for a year because he defected from Hungary. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, there's some great stories there. Yeah. A, a whole host of great players. But because we didn't have blanket television and anything like that, yeah. you know, the, we, we were these people were coming in to play against us. And you think, who are they? And then when you saw them, you thought, well, they can play. And that was pretty much how Puskas was looked at, wasn't he? When, when he played for Hungary against yeah. England, they looked at him and hey, who's this fat lad? And it was the yeah. same as when he signed. He was 31 when he signed for Real Madrid. And Santiago Bernabeu didn't want to sign him because he looked fat. I mean, yeah. even Di Stefano said he's carrying a bit of timber. They called him Pancho at Real Madrid. <laughs> but, yeah. but what a player. And, and yeah. you're right. Has to go down as one of the greats of all time. And he's he's buried in a in a in in Hungary where only the top echelons of society can yes. can 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 lie and be remembered. That's how fantastic Puskas is. And I think if you asked any person, certainly of a certain age, about Hungary, the first person that they would say would be Ferenc Puskas. And you know his nickname, don't you? The Galloping Major. Yeah, and they, they, because again, I suppose when you're looking, we call him Puskas because we played against him and you would, I mean, you'd say Keegan, you'd say whoever, yeah. wouldn't you? But them, them Hungarian players, they all called him Uchi because that was his nickname, Uchi, yeah. which means little brother in Hungarian. And yeah. he, he, he was so instrumental in the development of Hungary because he was almost the go-between with, with the, the Soviet iron fist that, that run the Hungarians. And he, he'd done so many things for that group of brothers, of players. And it was so sad, really, when you look at what happened to them. And it's a shame that they, they wasn't allowed to play with freedom and as I've read that book and as I've looked at things about Puskas, they reckon that the only person that was free in Hungary in those days was Ferenc Puskas. Yeah, because I've just had a thought as well. Yeah. You, you said, uh, yeah, I got that mixed up with Red Banner. Honved were the army team, weren't they? Yeah, they were, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. That, and he was a major, wasn't he? Yeah, he was a galloping major. He was the he up, yeah. major, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, when yeah. we say major, I mean, I, there's no evidence that he actually was in the army partaking in in you know, activities with guns they were just pretty much taken over yeah. in fact yeah. the only hungarian that that bore arms and took a gun out on the streets was Seaborg because in october they i think they were due to play sweden and the game was called off and they were coming back 
word had got out that Pushkas had been killed and then he's come over the border and come back into Hungary. All the players were told to go home and just keep their heads down. Well, Seaboard, he was, he was the rebel. He hated the Russians and the communists. He took a gun and he went on the streets and he was fighting them. And the way he shot, he could shoot as well. <laughs> Yeah, Ron, yeah. couldn't he? Couldn't he just? What a fantastic trip down memory lane, sir. And I think the next one, part two, we're going to indulge in Jimmy Hogan. We're going to talk more about Jimmy because I've looked at him and I've researched him and I've gone, you're joking. He actually, it, when he was out in Dresden, he was coaching uh, Helmut Schoen, you know? Yeah. When, yeah. when Ireland come over and beat England, I think it was 49. Jimmy, yeah. o- Jimmy Hogan was the manager. When Holland first beat Germany in 1912, Jimmy Hogan was the manager. Jimmy, Somebody asked me today, who's Jimmy Hogan? I said, well, basically, he was the man that taught Europe how to play football. Manager of the Villa, manager of Celtic. He was, yes, yeah. So we're going to indulge in Uncle Jimmy and because um, I think it's only right and proper that we, we should... We should shed light on these legends of yesteryear in football because sadly these days it's all Premier League, Premier League and, and the new players. But without people like Jimmy Hogan, like Ferenc Puskas, like the Hungarians, players of today haven't got the influences. That's yeah, correct. <laughs> the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.